This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 682, Spotlight on Aladdin. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 682. It's my spotlight on Aladdin, the 2019 version of the film, not the original, like, 92 animated film. Uh, originally, this episode was going to be done a little while ago. Unfortunately, my wife and I were not able to have time to actually sit down and record the episode together, so you're just getting me today. It's going to be relatively short, just me having my own impressions of uh, the film, which came out, uh, I guess, a week and a half ago, uh, officially on May 24th, uh, 2019, in the uh, North America in North America, not the North America. Uh, so I got to see it, I guess, the day after, uh, day 25th. Sorry, May 25th. Um, I actually quite enjoyed the film. Um, it's interesting. This is definitely a movie that didn't need to exist. I mean, I guess no movie needs to exist. But, I mean, we already have a version of Aladdin that was pretty perfect that a lot of people really enjoy. Obviously, there's some issues with it, but some of those are just more, it's a sign of the times. It's, it is from 1992, different uh, you know, perspectives, different way in, in which certain characters may have been portrayed. Um, you know, Jasmine was kind of... It's interesting in terms of the the evolution of Disney princesses. She was, uh, you know, one of the first that it seemed to feel like she had more agency than maybe she actually did in the movie. But you know, she was definitely had. She wasn't your typical Disney princess, princess at least up until that point. I mean, prior to that, I mean, you had eighty uh, nine, you had Little Mermaid, then you had Aladdin in ninety two. You had was it ninety one that was Beauty and the Beast? So you already had uh, Belle. So you had these different characters that were, you know, not quite the Disney princesses of old. Seemed to have more personality to them, uh, a little bit more agency. Uh, and uh, I, growing up, Jasmine definitely felt like she was, you know, kind of the the one who had more, you know, chutzpah. Um, and it's interesting if you kind of look at Disney princesses that came after. I mean, you had. I don't think anyone counts Nala as anything. Um, I mean, I guess technically she does marry the king. So she becomes a queen, but I don't think anyone talks about Nala from Lion King. But uh, you do have Pocahontas, who's kind of a Disney princess uh, from 95. Uh, Meg from Hercules doesn't really get lumped in with Disney princesses. Uh, I guess Jane doesn't either. Where did the other Disney princesses go? I know that there's more. I guess Mulan uh, is kind of the, the last of the kind of the 90s uh, princesses. Um, it's just interesting... You know, she she's very different. She had more of a storyline here. It's interesting. I, I mean, I like this film. I read some criticisms of it, and I def, I was kind of like, yeah, okay, I, I get what they're saying. Like, first of all, let's talk about the performances. Um, so obviously, the the big thing that kind of used to sell this movie is that is um, Will Smith. I mean, he's the one everyone knows. I mean, I don't think. Uh, no offense to, I don't know how to pronounce the name, so I apologize in advance. Uh, Mina Masood. Uh, is not an actor I recognized from anything um, prior to seeing him in Aladdin. Uh, looking at his kind of brief filmography, uh, he's been in maybe a couple movies in very small roles. Uh, he's been in some you know TV shows here and there. He's been in a couple a video game, but he hasn't been in like a lot of material. Um, so I can't say that I, I don't think anyone's thinking that this is how they're going to sell this movie is with this guy. He does a great job. I think I really enjoyed his portrayal of Aladdin, but you're not selling the movie on him. Um, I like um, Naomi Scott. I don't think you're really selling it on her necessarily either. She definitely has, you know, been in a bunch of things that at least, 
you know, people would know or recognize. I mean, I haven't been in, she hasn't been in a lot of things I recognize, but she definitely was in Power Rangers, which I saw, and then this. And uh, so, uh, you know, and she's in the upcoming version of Charlie's Angels. So, you know, she's kind of, uh, you know, breaking big as well. But this movie is, is, you know, the reason why people are probably seeing it or at first is probably that, oh, well, you know, you got Will Smith stepping into the iconic role of Genie that was originally played by Robin Williams. And what I really appreciate more than anything is that it never felt like he was trying to do Robin Williams, which, I mean, if you've read any interviews or seen any interviews with Will Smith, he was kind of like, I didn't want to do this. This was a bad idea. Like, you know, you, you there are not that many roles that are necessarily so iconic but in animation, but, you know, the Genie was an iconic Robin Williams role. Like, if you looked at someone's list of top, you know, Robin Williams movies, they might, or at least, sorry, portrayals, maybe not Robin Williams movies, but top Robin Williams characters, Genie's probably up near the top of the list. I mean, um, maybe I'm wrong there. I mean, he's, he was in a lot of iconic roles, and but there's just something about Aladdin that he brings so much to it. The rapid fire energy, which, I mean, you can't even imagine the 92 film without Robin Williams. So here it's a different version of Genie. I actually would argue that in a lot of ways we get to have a little bit more characterization of them actually becoming friends and, um, and, and a little bit more characterization there uh, so that when... You know, he eventually, spoiler alert, when Aladdin finally frees the genie at the end of the movie, it actually feels more emotional than it did in the original one. Um, I, don't, I don't know why that felt. Maybe it's just because you spent more time with Will Smith and you actually got to see him kind of being a person, not just this mythical creature who's kind of doing, you know, kind of a. He's not really allowed really to have his own arc, but here he actually does have a bit more of an arc. He has a, he has a you know, a romance. And um, I like that, that it felt like the character had. I, I don't want to go back to the word agency, but he felt like he had a little bit more to do in, uh, in and of himself as opposed to just kind of servicing Jafar or Aladdin. It sounds weird to hear that, you're, that the genie is servicing those other two people, but you know what I mean. Um, even the idea here, like what I liked was the idea that he assumed that his master would be someone bigger and someone different, someone who really wanted you know the wishes and who was more power hungry. And the idea that when he does meet Jafar, he's like, oh, you're him. You know, you're that guy. Uh you know, it, it added a different spin. I like Jasmine being, it was less about her needing to be married and more about you know, she couldn't necessarily rule on her own. So they had to find someone else who could kind of marry her to become the Sultan. It does. It, it sounds like a relatively small change, but it does make a huge difference because first one's all about getting married. This one is not really about getting married. It's about having, being Sultan, having a power. And again, giving her something in life that has nothing to do with Aladdin at all. Um, you know, it's almost, and it's, it almost makes the relationship between them feel a little stranger in some ways because he just likes her and knows that she can only marry a prince. Uh, but it really has nothing to do with her main story, which has really nothing to do about getting married. She just wants to be able to be Sultan and be able to, you know, be the ruler and try to do the right thing for her people. Uh, Jafar suddenly wanting to marry her at the end also kind of feels weird because if he, if he just used one of the, you know, uh, wishes to become a sultan. Like, it doesn't... If that's what she wanted, like, it's almost like, why would he even bother with her at all at that point? It's just an interesting point. Um, there has been... So I, I really liked, first of all, Masood as Aladdin. I thought he really was able to have the right charisma to the role, uh, the physicality. I thought Naomi Scott was brilliant as Jasmine. I thought she was really good and very strong. I actually really liked the song Speechless. I... Um, Friend of the show, Curtis Finley, was on uh, on Facebook and saying that you know he'd listened to the soundtrack and didn't really like the changes that had been made to the songs. And I absolutely get what he's saying that there was a, a certain aspect 
to the original songs that felt like had been lost a little and it felt more almost like karaoke and not really having true energy and soul to them but i mean i think part of that's when you don't watch the movie and you're just listening to music it is going to feel different uh i'm not saying he's wrong i I think he's probably has a better idea of sound design and and than i do um i just but i i still enjoyed the songs and speechless i thought yeah it feels a little different a little off from the other songs, it, you know, it doesn't quite have the same energy, but I thought it was really well done and was a nice way of having Jasmine actually have a song of her own to express a little bit more about her. Uh, I like that they have the uh, One Jump Story, uh, sorry, song as we're having him run away with Jasmine as well. So I, I, I like some of the, you know, the condensing, uh, even though they added like half an hour of footage, but uh, like some of the plot elements th- felt a little uh, condensed. I like that Iago was still here. Um, I wish that. He had had uh, Gilbert Gottfried's voice, even if it was just kind of because he didn't really say anything that was really him talking, per se, the way we're used to in the original. I kind of wish that he'd still been able to do the voice. Um, that's a little too bad. I guess, uh, oh, I didn't realize that. Apparently it was Alan Tudyk, um, which is interesting. It, it's too bad because I like, Gilbert Gottfried has always been that character, so it's just weird to have anyone else do it. I kind of wish they'd had... Um, uh, Gilbert Gottfried do it just because it, felt, it would have felt like some kind of uh, continuity, but you know whatever. Alan Tudyk does a good job as well, and it definitely does have more of a classic bird sound if that makes even sense at all. Uh, in terms of voices, I mean Frank Welker gets to be Abu again, uh, gets to be Raja again, and also gets to be uh, the Cave of Wonders again. So I like that they at least brought Frank Welker back, which is why I'm more surprised that they didn't bring back Gottfried, just because it's so iconic. Him as Iago is very memorable. Uh, um, you know, there are probably people who don't even know that much about Gilbert Gottfried at all, except that they know that he's the voice of uh, of Iago. That might be their only impression of him, which is weird if that's true, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is very iconic. Uh, Marwan Kanzari was Jafar. I, I'm not sure if he quite had this, the right level of menace. Um, they, they, they kind of, it almost felt like they they played him down as opposed to playing him up. Like, the original one felt very mysterious but dark and this you know very dangerous person and and this Jafar felt like he had the bent to be like that he definitely wanted you know to be a little bit more warlike um and he did he did everything he could to end up in you know as as close to ruling as possible um but and I I did also like that we had a sense that he had a bit more of a backstory but also I thought making him like a thief uh, like Aladdin, the idea that they can kind of see this thief as, uh, aspect in others. Uh, not that it took away, but I just it almost felt like they brought him down to a different level. Um, that in the original one, he just feels like he's so far above it, yet at the same time, very you know deceptive in his own way. I did like how they they kind of didn't go the whole route of him disguising himself and you know befriending Aladdin in, in jail they kind of they, they they go around this a different way which I actually kind of liked and then the idea that you know he's just talking to Jafar and Jafar is like telling him he's got to do this thing and as opposed to just manipulating him like he did in the original movie I actually thought it made a little bit more sense here and it just would have been harder to maybe to buy it in live action that you know he can for some reason animation you feel like he can just do anything and uh the you know this grand wizard or the, the sorcerer and the vizier basically you know manipulating the way he looks and making himself look to be this you know this horrible you know other person in jail 
feels like it makes more sense to see that in an animated movie, but in a live action movie, maybe it wouldn't work the same. Um, I haven't really talked a lot about Genie, except for the fact that I said that it did feel like you know Will Smith kind of made it his own. I felt like that was even true in the in the in the songs, like the way in which he sang. It it felt less like Robin Williams and more like you know. Will Smith kind of having a fun time with it and trying to give his own personality to Genie. There's some stuff like with the Prince Ali song, it definitely felt like because it was in live action, you couldn't do the weirdness of the animation. Like in the original where you have the, the cutaway to the idea that it's like a, watching a float on parade, uh, like a parade on TV, you can really have that aspect here without it really kind of taking you out. Whereas in animation, it just kind of works and you go with it. Um, so I felt like that part, because it's over the top zaniness, and even there, like where he's, you know, turning to the other people, like you see more of that in, in the original movie, but it definitely had that sense of that it's there. I was I was watching one of the uh, kind of behind the scenes type of features that they were showing for up to release, and the fact that they really did build a lot of this, and it wasn't just green screen. I th- green screen. I, th- I felt like you could really feel that. Um, and again, some of the the set pieces, especially in the Prince Ali song, it felt big. It felt like you were. I don't know how much of it was actually real or not, or how much how many people were actually there. But it definitely felt like it had a weight to it, and it wasn't you just watching CG, which I appreciated. And again, a lot of the film felt like. It had that real quality, even though you have, you know, a genie. You have flying carpet. I actually really like the flying carpet scenes. I thought they were really well done. Um, it's it, again, it, it still feels live action. Um, I've been reading things lately about people about. I think it was John Favreau saying with the upcoming Lion King movie, he's like, it can't really distinguish. Distinguish is this a live action film or an animated film? Because there's, it's not really shot on film. Like it's created. But it's not animation in the way that we're typically used to, because we're used to kind of segregating animation to be a certain thing, uh, almost like you know, like we're pretending that computer-generated imagery, when it tries to look real, isn't still animation, but it still is. It's such a weird distinction in, the, in I guess, in Hollywood. But everyone makes that distinction. Like if I, I know to my parents, I said, you know, oh, you should watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's a really good movie, and they're like, ah, it's animated, and I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> Who cares? Why are we putting animated movies in this weird ghetto? Um, you know, especially because my dad likes Pixar movies. So it's just like, really? You're going to make, you know, this is where you're going to draw the line? Like, you'll watch a Pixar movie. He's always loved Pixar movies. And yet, you know, and he's 69 years old, but there's something about watching a Spider-Man movie that's more traditionally animated. Now, that being said, it's not traditionally animated. If anyone who's seen that movie knows that, you know, it has a totally different vibe and uh, the, the animation and techniques that they pioneered were very different. But it's just interesting that that would be kind of his decision there. That, ah, no, I don't need to do that. Um, does this movie work? Yes. Um, it's a little longer, but I never really felt it was. It didn't feel longer. I know it's longer because I looked at the runtime, but it felt pretty natural. I, I enjoyed it quite a lot. I thought, yeah, it does. You know, hits a lot of the same beats. There's some beats that are a little bit different, and I like the chemistry between the two leads. I think they really sold it. I think the relationship between them feels like it has more time to breathe. Um, it feels a little bit more natural. Uh, I like the uh, the relationship between the genie and uh, and Aladdin. I thought it made more more sense. I like the the, the ongoing subplot about everyone trying figure out where um uh, uh Bobwa was i thought was kind of a funny thing that i never thought of before but they know because they they don't do any in the original animated movie they just kind of go with it and here they spend more time with it and i actually thought that was funny like there's some good humor here there's some good laughs i again i thought will smith was great i like that they have him kind of you know taking on a more human guise for some of the film and having kind of his own story i thought was a, a nice touch uh i i thought this was great and and i liked a bunch of stuff about like how Aladdin ends up finding out that that um, 
uh, Jasmine is actually a princess was pretty interesting uh, and done in a very different way. Uh, again, there's certain elements just were you know switched up, and I kind of liked how it was a little bit more natural here, and it wasn't quite as obvious as, as some of the things we saw in the original. Um, the decision of Jafar to abduct Aladdin as him, he must be the, the diamond in the rough, that did feel a little bit more out of left field, but it was going to be hard to figure out, and as opposed to the original one, which has, you know, what, Iago powering a weird machine, and he's able to divine who the actual person was, like, who is the actual diamond in the rough. Like, that's, that was pretty, that was reaching to begin with. But again, animated movies just feels like you can get away with more. It's kind of like how when I read a comic book, I just feel like there's things they can do in comics, I'm just going to go, oh yeah. But if you see that in real life, it'd be harder to, to buy. It just wouldn't feel like it was quite as natural or made as much sense. Um, but anyways, I enjoyed the movie. I would, I would give it a very solid eight, 8 out of 10. Uh, I really like Nassim Pedrad as Dahlia, the new character the, who's Jasmine's uh, handmaiden, uh, which I thought was extremely fun and interesting. And she ends up having a bit of a romantic story with the genie, which I really liked the addition of. Like, I hadn't even thought that they were going to go that direction. Uh, I thought she was great. I mean, I haven't seen her in a lot because I never... I, did, I don't really watch SNL, so I didn't even realize that she was on five seasons of that. But I had seen her on New Girl and really liked her there and really enjoyed her here. Um, I, I, when she's around, I think she's really funny. I, I feel bad that I had no idea she was on SNL for that long, but I just I don't watch that show. So uh, I kind of missed it. And uh, I was trying to mention to my wife, like, you know, different places she had been in. She was like, oh, I don't know if I know that one or know that one. I was like, well, she was on Scream Queens. I think you watched that for about five episodes. She's like, oh, yeah, that's that's where I remember her from. So she was also on Gilmore Girls. So I'm like, that being said, she played a waitress, and this was 2006. So I was like, are you sure you don't remember her from, from Gilmore Girls? And my wife's like, I don't remember someone in one bit role from like 13 years ago. I'm like, all right, fair. That, that makes sense. Anyways, thanks for joining me for this episode. This was a, a very enjoyable movie. I'm definitely going to watch it again. Uh, one thought I did have throughout the film was, could I take? Could I have taken my six year old here? And I think it's a little too adult for him. Like he's not he's not quite at the stage. I know some kids they'll watch live action movies. He seems more fidgety when he watches live action. He watched Christopher Robin last year and he wasn't completely invested. So I feel like he's still on the kind of more animated uh, track in terms of kind of keeping his attention. Uh, I don't think Aladdin's for him yet. Um, I think maybe in a year or two, um, you know, he'd be ready. Uh, I think, there, you know, there's some scarier parts and there's just a, a little bit more, you know, just a little bit out of his, maybe where I'm comfortable with him watching. That being said, I, I think we are in general more worried about this stuff now. And I know my wife is for sure. And, you know, I think he does get scared sometimes, but, you know, kids can be scared. But, you know, it, it, kids have different tolerances too. I mean, I was... I think six, maybe seven, when I saw the original Batman movie. I might have been seven, but I know it came out in 89. I'm trying to think when I saw it. My parents gave me a used copy on a VHS, so I feel like it must have been 90. So I would have been turning seven that year at the end of 1990. So I probably watched Tim Burton's Batman when I was seven. My son is turning six in August. So in theory, I could be a year away from showing him Batman. And I can't really... Well, first of all, I would never do it with my wife around. Not that I would ever do anything without her knowing about it. But I would just feel like, you know, I, I couldn't justify yeah we're gonna show him this movie that's kind of scary and like the joker stuff like that's you know it's an intense movie um it's not actually that intense when you look at other things that have been done since and there's campy aspects to it but you know i don't know if i really want my son watching it when he's six or seven years old anyways you can email me at comic shenanigans at gmail.com like the show on facebook rate and review us on itunes subscribe to us on itunes and also listen to us on 
Stitcher. Our next non-reviews episode will be episode 684, where I'll be taking a look at the newest X-Men release, well, the last X-Men release from Fox Films, uh, which is going to be uh, Dark Phoenix. So that'll be up in a couple of days. Thanks again for listening to this episode. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.